what you think about when you're sitting at home all day. In concert on Thursday, April 19th, 6.30 p.m. at the Peace and Justice Center in Bangor. He's part hilarious Noam Chomsky and part musical Jim Hightower, all wrapped up into one very funny performer. It's satire to accompany the struggle for peace and justice with Roy Zimmerman on Thursday, April 19th, 6.30 p.m. at the Peace and Justice Center, 96 Harlow Street in Bangor. Tickets are $15 and seating is limited to 40. So call WERU today at 469-6600 or email info at weru.org. More information is available at weru.org. Real well done Where no one uses profanity Cause they're so full of Sean Hannity Support for WERU comes from Inner Tapestry, Maine's holistic journal, celebrating and supporting life, featuring alternative health and natural living articles, calendar listings, and a directory of resources. Available at health food stores and alternative health centers, 799-7995 or innertapestry.org. Support for WERU also comes from Quantum Insulators of Belfast, serving Midcoast Maine as spray foam specialists, licensed dealers of the isonine portfolio of spray foam products, including commercial and residential applications applications with renewable and recyclable content. More information at quantuminsulators.com or 338-3077. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at weru.org. Common Health Radio or Common Ground Radio with your host from Mafka is up next. Good morning, and welcome to Common Ground. This is Mofka's monthly, hour-long discussion about food and agriculture and all those exciting things happening around in, in the state of Maine, our beautiful state of Maine. Uh, this is Cheryl Wixon. I'm Mofka's organic marketing consultant, and I'm joined in the studio this morning by two very special guests and by Diane Shavera, our livestock specialist, and uh, Diane Great day out there. A little chilly, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's surprising. I thought we were going to get lots of sun. <laughs> kind of disappointing. Oh, yes. Well. <laughs> but uh, our topic of conversation this morning is going to be on backyard poultry. And uh, I've been looking forward to this show for a long time. I'm, I've got a lot to learn. But first, let's kind of recap about what some of the things are that's been happening around the state today. And for, the, for March and going into April... I know we are doing a series on the organic orchard, and our next two programs will be April 28th, which is on grafting, which will be in Unity at the Common Ground, and then May 5th, Michael Phillips, the renowned Michael Phillips, the mm. uh, organic apple grower, will also be in Unity. That's going to be a great program. You can find out information about our programming and lots of other agricultural activities happening on our website uh, www.mofka.org. Um, Diane, what have you been doing these days? Um, well, I, I went to a great beginning women farmer conference down in, in Massachusetts um, last week, I guess it was, week before. And um, it's a program that Holistic Management is running, and we've been doing these programs for women. This will be the third year, and every year we have oh, 10, 15 young, or not young, um, varying ages, um, <laughs> beginning women farmers. And it, it's been great. They have loved 
trying to get the information together, learning about their forming their holistic goals and trying to work on their finances to try and do a good job on their new and growing farms. So it's an exciting proposition. Isn't Now, if I'm, I'm not mistaken, that's one of the fastest growing trends of farmers in the United States, particularly here in Maine, are yep. women, right? Yep. Yeah, there's more. The, the, the biggest increase in any farming operations is by women. Ah, very exciting. It's not just in this in not just in Maine, it's in the whole country. Across the country. So that yep. must be that's a that's a great program. Yeah. Um I know here in Maine, uh we've been doing a series of organic growers meetings across mm-hmm. the state. Right. The last one that we just hosted was in Aroostook County. Yep. And we have one coming up on 11, April 11th. Yes. It's a growers meeting over in the Farmington area, right? Right. Yep. And um that has a livestock component to it. Yes, a- yes, it does. Hugh Caraman, who's a veterinarian, a, a naturopathic veterinarian from Pennsylvania area, mm-hmm. will be there to speak in the afternoon. Oh. So and if anybody's got any good interest in, in livestock health care, he would be a great person oh. to come listen to. Oh, good. And I know we have done a series about grow your own organic garden around the state. And there is one more coming up April mm-hmm. 10th, if you've missed that, at the Belfast Free Library. And then April 21st, there's a lot going on in April, it's a great mm-hmm. month, is Earth Day at Mofka. And that whole weekend, there's a permaculture design certification weekend course being mm-hmm. also hosted at Mofka at the Common Ground. Yep. And April 19th to the 22nd, there's a, a timber frame workshop at Hidden Valley Nature Center in Jefferson. And then mm-hmm. later on in the month, they're going to do, on the 22nd and the 29th, they're going to do a chainsaw safety workshop. So. Yep. And it's Maine Garden Day down in, in Lewiston, Auburn area at the high school um, mm-hmm. on the 14th. That goes from, it's all day long. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually doing a workshop down there on setting up your farm, trying to figure out how to do your fencing and how to do all your, where to put your barn if you were doing something new or where to put paddocks and things <gasps> like that. Well, this so. is a very exciting time to be farming here in the state of Maine. So yeah. <laughs> oh, great. Lots going on. A lot, a lot, a lot happening. And. I think it's very exciting with our two special guests that we have in the studio this morning. We have Clifton and Samuel Page from East Blue Hill. And uh, maybe you might tell us a little bit about what you folks are doing in your backyard. Mm. (laughs) Well, we're almost a year into raising backyard chickens. We built a chicken coop last summer. And in May, we ordered 29 chicks from Murray McMurray Hatchery, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, which came and we got a call from the Blue Hill Post Office saying, you better get down here right away. Oh, my. (laughs) Were they like live little chicks? They were were (laughs) day or two day old chicks that had been shipped from the Midwest. And we picked them up and we put them in a big cardboard box on the top of our barn under a a light, 100 watt light Mm -hmm. that was held 18 inches up above the ground Mm -hmm. so they could get under it when they were cold. Um, and had the feed mash for them and a watering trough. Um, So those came at the end of May. Um, We ordered 28, I think it was, Rhode Island Reds, Mm -hmm. two roosters, the rest hens, and because we'd ordered so many, they threw in a surprise chicken. (laughs) So that's why you got the 29. Yeah, (laughs) so we got the 29. What was the the extra one? I, I don't know what the extra one was as far as breed, but it was a black and white very different looking ah. chick. It ended up being black and white. Probably a barred rock. Mm. Something like that. Yeah. And so they, they stayed in the top of the barn for about two months. And um, then we got the chicken coop finished, end of the summer, mm-hmm. moved them into the chicken coop. 
Uh, and I think the surprising thing was it took so long to begin to get eggs. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. So We yeah, didn't start to get eggs until, I think, early December. It yeah, was, takes you know, five months. It was at least five months. Yeah. So that was a long waiting game. Give the, game. Ch- the girls a chance to grow up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now, Clifton, you have a very special person with you today. Maybe could you introduce what's your name, sweetheart? I'm Sam Page. You're Sam Page, yes. And are you a very important person to this chicken operation? Uh-huh. Oh, what do you do? I um sell the eggs and get them. Oh, oh, you collect the eggs in the morning? Or is it in the morning? You collect the eggs. Maybe I shouldn't say in the morning. When do you collect the eggs? Um, In the afternoon. In the afternoon. After school. Oh, okay. And um, tell me, Sam, how many eggs a day do you use? Are you getting me? Um, well, sometimes we get 19, 22, and 23. Oh, my. <laughs> that's quite a bit of eggs. <laughs> oh, wow. That's very good. So maybe we should just have a little discussion here about having chickens in your backyard, Diane, and what do we need to think about doing and kind of facilities and things like that. Yeah. Give, give us the quick rundown here a little bit. Well, the, one of the most important things is to have a nice house for your chickens, and there's there are endless amounts of designs. If you Google chicken house, you mm-hmm. get an amazing number of, and some of them are quite fancy. And you don't have to get that fancy if you don't want to, but if you've got it in your backyard and it's something you're going to be looking at every day, maybe you want to make it something really pretty and paint it up nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, if you do it in some of the cities, they actually do require, there are requirements on what the house looks like, like sizing and whether what the shape of it has to be and that you can't build it out of a bunch of uh, cobbled together material. It has, to, it has yeah. to actually be a real structure, right. dwelling type situation. Yeah, yeah. but I, th- I think every town, like Bang- I think Portland has rules about it and mm-hmm. Bangor had tried to get rules. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but when you do it, you just want to make sure that the birds have enough room so wh- when they get to be adults, so that's at least two square foot per bird in the house. And um, it has to have enough ventilation. I think ventilation for chickens is way more important than um, having things be insulated mm-hmm. um, because chickens' manure is very damp. And so what happens is you get a lot of condensation in the wintertime and mm-hmm. it makes it very damp in there. And it's really, chickens don't like having things be damp and wet and it, it builds up the ammonia a whole lot mm-hmm. until you, unless you're putting a lot of shavings down on top of the, or some kind of bedding on top of the floor, on the floor. So, so, so in the wintertime, you don't have to necessarily heat the house. Is that what you're telling me? No. Do, do you guys, Sam, do you guys heat, you don't heat your house, your chicken house, do you? Um, in the winter, we um, put a light over the water so it didn't freeze. So it doesn't freeze, that's it. So, but aside from that, so chickens can take cold temperatures? Yeah, they've got, well, think about all the little birds that are out in the wintertime, you know, they got lots of feathers to keep themselves warm. So as long as it's not drafty, I mean, I think that's important, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so that they actually have a place where they can kind of settle in. But you don't want to make the house too big either. You know, the idea of having a big enough house, but not too big a house, because if it's the right size, then they can kind of keep themselves warm in it, you know, just because you know, their own body heat is enough to keep it warm. So if we're figuring on two square feet per bird mm-hmm. and we've got 10 birds, mm-hmm. then we need about 200 square feet. So that right. could be like a 10 by 20. Yep. Oh, yep. Okay. All right. So, yeah. and no, 
kind no, of that's two, math. Is, that's the math two, is wrong. Oh, that's way. It's, that's it's, huge. Four it's, by five. It's yes, 20 right. square feet. It's twenty right. square feet. Yeah. So it'll be four by five. Four I was thinking five. when you said that. No, that's a huge. That's a huge right. chicken. I mean, yeah. I've had a lot more and birds. Diane, yeah. am I right in saying that some breeds are more cold tolerant than yes. others? Yes. Yeah. And it, what yeah. I've read is that. The coxcomb is one of the indicators. If you have a smaller coxcomb on the hens, mm -hmm. they're more likely to be cold weather tolerant. Right. Yeah. I'm, it, and there's they, they there's different size combs. You you see the ones that have the big peaks on them, sort of look like look, look like a comb. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's ones that are rose combs, and there's pea combs, and those are the smaller ones that are just kind of little lumps of tissue next mm -hmm. to their head, right mm -hmm. on their head. And those are definitely more cold tolerant kind of birds. Yeah. So. so the smaller, right. the smaller. Yeah. Because the, if you, a lot of times, like if you have a rooster that has a really big comb on it, a lot of times if in the wintertime they might get frostbitten. Mm -hmm. yeah. So mm -hmm. I've had some of that this winter, even though it wasn't a very cold yeah. winter. And it's not, it's not great, but it's not, it'll just kind of die and slough off and they're fine after that. Yeah. So. so when you said you've had some frost, issues or some frostbite, how do you know? Um, the comb turns a darker color in spots. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So maybe it got splashed with water when they were at the watering trough. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know what's happened, but mm -hmm. you can see on the two roosters that the comb in spots mm -hmm. is just is turned not really black, but darker than the red mm -hmm. comb. Mm -hmm. Doesn't seem to bother them. No. Yeah. And no. it's disappearing now that the warm weather is coming on. Huh. Now, yeah. where so heels? Where's Primarily focusing on backyard chickens, meaning right. the, as a homesteader or, you know, mm -hmm. a fellow person just wants to have a few hens to get some, some eggs. And I know that there are, there are some different community ordinances and regulations mm -hmm. and things around this. Can Just bring us up to speed a little bit with that, will you? Yeah, uh, I know a little bit about it. Unfortunately, um, Stacy Collins, who did a lot of work with the, the group in South Portland and Portland to get those laws passed, um, she couldn't make it today. She had a family emergency, so um, she has really good experience with working with this. But they do, they limit the number of birds that you can have in your yard, and I think it's, I think it's probably about four or five, but okay. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that they very often limit a lot of towns is whether you can have a rooster or not. Uh. Because they don't want that. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, because we know that rooster is kind of a loud guy, and he he crows early in the morning, doesn't he? Sometimes even in the middle of the night, and you're Billy. thinking, what is he thinking about? <laughs> Funny rooster. Does that know. rooster? How about you, Sam? Do you get up in the morning with a rooster? No. No. Um, I sleep in a lot. I'm a sleepyhead. <laughs> <laughs> This, so the, so basically, if you're contemplating having this in your backyard and you're right. in a, uh, I won't say a residential mm -hmm. or uh, an urban area, then there right. are some considerations. Right. Only four or five birds. So that's a pretty I, small. Yeah. And you, I mean, you think about it. Uh, when hens are laying at their maximum, it's about a 90% production rate. So if you've got four or five birds, you're going to get four or five eggs every day. That's you know, a lot that, of eggs. That's a lot of eggs to, for, you know, a few people to eat. Unless you've got a really big family, uh, you're feeding a lot of people. That's a lot well, of eggs. Well, that makes sense. But yeah. you are allowed, legally allowed to sell chicken uh, eggs unless you get over 3,000 birds. Oh, so we're, we're so, talking small. Yes. We're still talking so, small here. So you're allowed to sell your eggs without having it be any kind of an issue as long as you label, you know, you can't sell them in dirty containers and you have to mark, wipe off the or mark out anything that has like grade A because you're not probably not going to grade your eggs. That would mean you'd actually have to candle mm -hmm. them and figure out how big the airspace is and things like that. 
and also have to weigh them to figure out how much they weigh. So if you take a take reuse a carton and reuse it, yes. then we need to you need to mark out all those bits that label them. I mean it has and if it's a dozen that's fine, you could leave that part on. But anything that says that it and it's graded that has to be marked off. So, so we are we've got a house. Yep. Some sort of a structure. Yep. Uh, and can we we can let them out and run around? Yeah. yeah. I mean it's fine to let them out and run around. The biggest issue with poultry is predators. Anytime I talk to people that raise chickens or any kind of, not so much geese, they're a little bit better at protecting themselves mm -hmm. and turkeys, but chickens for sure, they, they can get eaten by other things very easily. And foxes are, they're pretty daring they're pretty creatures. <laughs> I mean, I was in my yard one day, I mean, we were, there were three or four people outside and the dog and the uh, fox came and took a chicken right in front of us. It was amazing. He was quite brazen. So, and you really dogs. Dogs. Yep. dogs. Oh, yeah. Really Neighborhood dogs can, yeah. can be just as destructive. Dogs know. like to chase. Yeah, I had a dog yeah. once that used to like to chase yeah. chickens. Not a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So it's okay to let them out, but it depends upon where you are. And probably the best thing to do is to have them fenced in mm -hmm. some way. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and the other thing is, is that they're very good at scratching. We know how chickens feed, and, and they love to scratch and scratch all around and run around and do lots of do it in lots of different places. And if you have any kind of a garden or flower gardens, they're going to be <laughs> quite destructive, and, unfortunately. And dusting too. Yes, yep, yeah, and they like yeah. to make little holes and make dust yeah. baths for themselves. So what uh, you've got your your situation when you have? Are you still have your twenty nine birds, or do you have a little loss? Well, we had one die on us last. October, November, just mm -hmm. went into the coop one day and there was a stiff chicken on the floor. No <laughs> idea why it died. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had, well, their Rhode Island or their New Hampshire Reds, the oh, one-off chicken that we had ended up being sort of mostly black and white. Mm -hmm. So I referred to these chickens as racist New Hampshire Red chickens because they terribly, terribly pecked. They don't like the... Uh, they didn't like the oddball out. Mm -hmm. um, and I came in one day, an hour after I'd checked them, and this poor bird was sort of a quarter naked. And oh. I just said, that's it. So we got rid of that one, gave mm -hmm. it to a friend down the street. Mm -hmm. um, and Charlie ended up being Charlene and is laying lots of eggs now. <laughs> and it's a beautiful, beautiful bird. But, but, yeah, we had to get rid of one of them. So we're down to 27, but as far as I can tell now, anyway. Do you have a predator? Have you had a predator issue? We haven't had a predator problem. Um, I only let them out when I'm in the yard. Mm -hmm. So, and typically in the afternoon, um, I'll let them out for a couple hours. And the great thing about chickens is when it begins to get dark, they go back into the house on their own to mm -hmm. roost. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so generally, I don't have the problem of having to shoo them in, although I have found that cracked corn shaken around in a can <laughs> gets them running. Gets a little tempting. Yeah, so I wander around the yard trying to find all the stragglers <laughs> shaking my can of cracked corn, mm -hmm. and they just they go right into the chicken yard and love to eat that up, and that's the way I get them in in the evening if I yeah. have to oh, do yeah. it beforehand. Right. Yeah, that's um, the tricky thing if you had to go out early one evening, and then how do you get them in the house? Yeah. Cracked yes. corn in a, I just have it in a, a plastic uh, cottage cheese container, mm -hmm. yeah. and I shake it, and they, they, they come they running. They respond to that sound. They yeah. learn that sound. In, in case you're just joining us, you're listening to WERU, your community radio, <laughs> and this is uh, Common Ground, hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardens Association. And our topic of conversation this morning is the backyard chicken. And we're joined in the studio by two very special guests, Clifton Page and Samuel. 
who raise their own chickens, and Diane Chavere, a livestock specialist. So we've talked a little bit about housing. We've mm -hmm. talked about predators. What about what food and water and some of the other necessities of the beast or the, the bird? <laughs> <laughs> uh, just before we get off predators, oh, yes. the one thing that I would mention is that it's really important to close the house up at night so that nothing can get in there, because a lot of the predators are, are nighttime, nighttime. Hun yeah. hunters. Fishers. And, yes, and make. raccoons. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had a, it's not, I mean, it's funny, and it's not funny, but when I always tell the story that um, we had a, a weasel problem, but one night I heard the chickens screaming, you know, something's going on, okay, so I run down there, and, and you know, it's like trying to figure out what's going on. I looked all over. Didn't see anything. Go back to bed. They start again. I run down to the chicken coop, look all over again. And finally, we found it. It was like tucked up underneath. He was a very good little hider. And mm -hmm. he just found one little place where he could get under that I didn't even think to look at for him. But the other thing that happened was is that early one year when we hadn't taken the windows off the front and it was war getting warm out, we left the door open, a little crack, mm -hmm. and we could because we could tie it so that it would only stay open a little bit. And the weasel got in. Through that little crack. Through that little crack. And then and killed a bird. And then he wanted to take that bird out of the house. <laughs> well, he screamed louder than the chickens could ever <laughs> scream. <laughs> and it was, it was, you know, kind of sad. But uh, he, he, yeah. Did you come? Did you go let him out? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you keep the bird. He, he met a, he met a sad end. I'm sorry to say. What I did when I built our coop, knowing that there was a real problem with mm -hmm. nighttime predators, is I built the floor of it with stuff with timbers, just mm -hmm. standard mm -hmm. two by six timbers, I think it was. And um, over the top of those joists, I put sheet metal. Oh, yeah. oh so they couldn't like chew or mm -hmm. get yeah. something through that. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it was a, it was a two stage thing. I put sheet metal on one side mm -hmm. and then double layer of chicken wire on the other. Mm -hmm. And it's up on granite blocks, mm -hmm. so it's raised above the ground. Yeah. So this can be very difficult for anything to chew through. Yep. Yeah. Because there's a rat problem as well, trying to get to the feed inside. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Really and they'll chew through yeah. wood. That's yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll, or they'll anything. chew through anything. Metal plastic. tin, metal garbage yeah, cans that you keep your feed through. in. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, I, the only predator problem that I've had with our chickens so far was um, I didn't see it, but I came out into the chicken run one day and there was a dead rat in it. And the chickens yep. had obviously killed. Yeah, oh yeah, chickens can so be they're can be fierce beasts. It's it's quite amazing. They can attack. They'll oh, get yeah. up and attack. They on. love to when you get a mouse or something, they'll just chase it all around <laughs> and yeah, they chickens are cannibals besides yeah. being very oh, aggressive okay. so they're, they're omnivores. Yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so speaking of which, let's if they're what else do they enjoy eating? <laughs> yes, some <laughs> on the nice side. <laughs> well, on the nutritional, and if you want right. to have a yeah. healthy flock. Yeah. So if you want to have a healthy flock, it, I mean, chickens are they're omnivores, but they do have a fairly specific requirement as far as amino acids and things go. So they're really fussy about what kind of proteins you feed them, mm -hmm. and they have mineral requirements and carbohydrate requirements. That's the same as we do, but. They are a little bit fussier, as we are, that, that you have to have the right amino acids. They don't make their own like a ruminant does. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful about what you feed them. And ch if you buy chicken mash and use that to feed your chickens, that's balanced so that it's the right amount of all these things that the chicken needs. So when you add, like a lot of, if you added a lot of scratch feed or a lot of vegetables, you don't want to give them too much of that kind of stuff because it will upset that balance. So... so 
do they not and do they not have it hardwired in their brain to know that I'm not supposed to eat any more of that? I, well, they do actually. Mm-hmm. Um, there is has been research done to show that they can figure out how much carbohydrate and how much protein they need, and they'll mm-hmm. eat for the right level of carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. But they, if you separate out um, the carbohydrate source from the protein source, they'll go back and forth and actually pick out because that's how I feed my chickens. Mm-hmm. I I do a separate um, bucket that has grains in it and mm-hmm. another one that has my protein supplements and minerals in it. Mm-hmm. And there's a fact sheet that I wrote um, that's on the Mafka website about feeding whole grains to chickens. Mm-hmm. So that's another way to go. But if you're just doing a small amount and you really just don't have a whole lot of time to figure things out and do it, you know, do it properly, then you really should just feed the chicken mash and now, what do you folks do? We feed the chicken mash, chicken pellets. Mm-hmm. I, I started with the mash, but I found that a lot of it ended up on the floor and wasn't eaten. Okay. And the pellets seem to be more efficient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we also give them kitchen scraps. Mm-hmm. So we, we keep a galvanized bucket yep. by the mm-hmm. kitchen sink. And all the... Carrot tops. All of that stuff. And you know, old bread, moldy yep. stuff, you know, yep. whatever. They'll eat pretty much anything. We do not give them eggshells because we did have a problem with them packing the eggs. Yeah, one of the ways around that one is to, to heat the eggshells. I keep them, and then I'll throw them in the oven mm-hmm. and so that they get cooked, yeah. and then I feed them back to the chickens. So what happens if you didn't do so that? So they don't smell like they... Well, it, it can encourage them to eat the eggs because so chickens it, will eat their eggs. If one of the... Like, if you have... If you're not giving their them enough calcium and mm-hmm. one of there is the feed is balanced for calcium but one of the good things you can do is is give them some um, oyster shell or mm-hmm. some kind of calcium source okay. in addition to their feed and that helps them they'll eat more of that if they feel like they need mm-hmm. it if their body's getting low on it because they take the calcium out of their bones in order to put it into the shells if there isn't enough in the diet I give them a handful of ground oyster shells with no. their feed every day mm-hmm. yeah and I mean it you can just the bottom of the feed trough and they eat it if they want yeah. 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 That seems to work. So yeah. so that's the feed. We've got that. And then I, I know I've heard of the kitchen scrap thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I do the same thing for my rabbits. I collect all yeah. the stuff and then it goes to the rabbits and they love it. But what about, they must have to have a source of fresh water then. Oh, yes. And yeah, it can't definitely. be, what they can't be a frozen. It has to, you've no. got to keep it so Yeah, so that's the one thing that is tricky in the wintertime. And I guess like Sam said, he uses a light bulb over the top of yours to keep it warm, huh? And that works okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what we did is we took an old paint bucket and um, put a light socket on the side of it, mm-hmm. screwed in an old incandescent 40 mm-hmm. watt bulb, and then the feed or the water bucket goes on top of that. Ah, yeah. Oh, I see. Okay, got it. Ah, and that nice works. Idea. And that works even on the coldest nights this year. And granted, it wasn't a severely mm-hmm. cold winter, mm-hmm. but you could always up the wattage of the bulb. But that kept the water from freezing mm-hmm. yeah. perfectly. So, I mean, one thing that I was advised when I was talking to people about chicken coops is make sure you've got an electric outlet in it. So you can do the, wa- the water thing. So you can yeah. certainly the water. And also, it, at times at night, it's nice to have a light switch. Yeah. Be able to turn a light on well, in the chicken coop. I don't have one of those yet this summer, one of the summer <laughs> projects. But certainly the water is a big issue. You need to have an electricity supply to keep that water from freezing. I don't know what they did. Well, actually, I don't, I don't use an electric source for my hot, for the water in the wintertime. What I do is I have one of those black um, rubber buckets that people use for livestock. Mm -hmm. And I put that in a box that's insulated with that foam, um, foam board, the insulation board. And, and it has a lid on the top of it with a 
half circle cut out of it so that chickens can get their head in there to drink their water. And if I'm good and I take hot water down there, boiling hot water down every night and pour that in, that it it's pretty days. much keeps it. You know, if I get a long stretch of really 20 below weather or even 10 below weather, it'll start to get frozen a little bit, so I'll have to go and, uh, and, and empty it out and refill it. But that's good because you really should do that fairly regularly anyway because chickens don't, they don't care where they poop a whole lot, so yeah. sometimes it ends up in the water. Oh, so that so. from a sanitation standpoint, you got to kind of keep an eye on them as far as right. the feeding and the yeah. water is concerned. Yeah, I did yeah. have our water trough suspended from their roosting bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah, that... uh, it was a disaster. <laughs> it was pretty gross good part yeah. of the time. <laughs> yes. yeah. They do drink yeah. a lot of water too. Yeah. I'm finding I have to feed the, or fill the watering trough a couple times a day. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. well, now I also know that if you're not handy like you two folks, I have been seen on uh, some of these livestock catalogs where you can actually buy heated sources. Yes. Yes. I, ha- I happen to have heated water bottles, a big yeah. luxury this year for my rabbits. Yeah. So that, because I used to do those bowls, but you'd have to go out, they'd freeze, I'd go to go back out and empty it. And right. it was oh, like, yeah. just yeah. to make sure that the, that the livestock had adequate water, I said, well, that's my luxury for the year. So, yeah. you know, that yeah. works no, well. That, yeah, and it is. Uh, but the other thing as far as having electricity in the house, chickens, in order to keep laying all year long, if that's what you want them to do, mm-hmm. um, you have they have need to have 14 hours of daylight or of light. And so uh. the fort between 14 and 15 hours, depending upon which source you read. Mm-hmm. So you have to put a light bulb on. And the best time to put that light bulb on is in the morning. So um, have it come on, like if daylight, if like when sunrise was only at seven o'clock, right. I had that light come on at four or five in the morning, four mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning in the worst part of the winter. And I was only aiming for like 12, 13 hours. I kind of hedge my bets and, and not, not push the birds. My, I have a lot of really old chickens at this point. I need to get some new ones, but I didn't, so I don't want to stress them too much. But having that 14 hours of daylight and having it come on in the morning instead of going longer at night because they need to get, like you said, they get to their roost at night. And if they, if all of a sudden the light goes out, it's like, <gasps> What happened? You so know, if they if so. they if they just sort of go with the natural sunset and that natural light in the evening, that's the best as far as the management is, and mm-hmm. then give them the yeah. light in the morning. Now, how do you folks handle as far as the egg production? Um, well, you've got a lot of birds, and how big's your family? <laughs> We're five. We don't go through you know two dozen eggs a day. Um, <laughs> we eat a lot of eggs, but we bake a lot. Um, but the paint bucket that I use to keep the water mm-hmm. warm was white mm-hmm. and a lot of the light went through it mm-hmm. ah. and so I didn't put a light mm-hmm. in during oh, the you winter probably didn't that have was just to. on it was on but it was a, a it soft. wasn't a bright light a well you means. actually don't need very much yeah. light it's only like I don't know 10 five put candles or yeah. something well, like that well that's probably it's, what um, this was bad with numbers but yeah but it was on all night long yeah and I'm and not sure that actually yeah, is, is really the best, the thing. best thing either but they did roost yeah. and they fell asleep with it yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so it didn't seem to bother to. them. Yeah. So what was your production like throughout the winter? 17, 18 Once. eggs. I mean, we're getting, you know, three quarters of an egg from each chicken a day mm-hmm. yeah. on average, something yeah. like that. And it's now gone up as the light's getting longer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the record so far is 23. I'm waiting for that 24 from the <laughs> yeah, magic two dozen. Um, but no, they produced well all winter long. Now, these are young birds, too. Right. Yeah, they're yeah. less than Yeah, they just old. started laying in December, so yeah. that, that would right. make a whole lot of difference. Because yeah. now this, 
sometime this fall or late summer they'll molt. Yeah. Well, this is this is very fascinating. And in case you folks out there are just joining us, you're listening to your community radio, WERU FM, 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming worldwide at WERU.org. You're listening to Common Ground, hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. And this morning, we're talking about backyard chickens. And in just a bit, we would love to hear from you or any questions you might have. Uh, the numbers here in the studio is 469-0500. And so uh, we have a couple special guests in addition to Diane and myself in the studio this morning. And Samuel, so tell me, you are the major egg collector, right? Yes. Yes. So what do you do with your eggs after you collect them? Um, we sell them to people that live nearby, like Sergey, Karen <laughs> Milliken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so can you tell me a little bit, are you running a little home business here? Yes. Ah. So tell me a little bit about your business. How do you what? How do you sell your eggs, or how much do you sell your eggs for? Um, for two dozen, it's seven dollars. Uh-huh. For one dozen, it's three dollars fifty. Okay, all right. And do you have regular customers who like to get your eggs? Yes. Oh. The Blue Hill Library. Oh, really? Well, not the library, but <laughs> four of the people at the library have a weekly yeah. order. Have a weekly order. Yeah. Oh. So do you li- deliver it to the library? Uh-huh. Every Thursday. Oh. Oh. Well, this is a great... Do you have a name for your company, or... (laughs) Is it Sam's Egg Company? (laughs) No. Do you put any kind of a label on your chicken boxes? The egg boxes? No. No? We're not that organized. Oh, all right. Now, now how how did you determine what would be a good price to sell your eggs? Well, I didn't really choose it. My mom and dad decided. Oh, do you think, do, how do you suppose they figured that part out? I don't know. Oh, well, maybe we should ask your dad how he figured out how, how to price you, dad? Well, we're, we're not feeding the chickens organic feed, which is quite a bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and organic eggs in the area are going for, I think, four fifty now. Mm-hmm. So okay. So we just thought, okay, fine, take a dollar off. It okay. wasn't a very scientific approach. Mm-hmm. We didn't, you know. Mm-hmm. keep track of what our mm-hmm. costs were. Mm-hmm. Um, the costs are pretty low if you don't count the building of the coop. Mm-hmm. Um, bag of feed costs $13, $14, 50 pounds for our chickens. That lasts a week. So, so they're eating about two pounds per of bird. food a week per bird. Per bird, okay. Yeah. Um, and it takes then, four pounds of feed for a dozen eggs. Oh, okay. really? Oh, that's that's the standard. The standard is four pounds. Say that again. Four okay. pounds of feed for a, pound, for a dozen eggs. Oh, very, okay. Yeah. okay. And, and before I lose that thought, does it make any difference on the breed of the bird? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the average. The average. Number. Okay. That's yeah. pretty good. That's a good rule of thumb. That's nice to know. Okay. And then I use wood shavings, pine shavings that mm-hmm. I just get in a bundle from local building supply store. Mm-hmm. And that goes down. Um, that's pretty much it as far as costs are concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. save their egg cartons for us. We use old egg cartons, so we don't buy those. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it. But, I mean, the, I didn't get chickens for the eggs <laughs> or for the meat. <laughs> I'm, I'm an avid gardener, and in my perverse way of dealing with things, I got chickens for the manure. Oh, well, that's another... <laughs> we, we just got a puppy, and we got the puppy because it's to keep the deer away. It's not really for the companionship, although Sam loves the puppy. Um, but 
that dog's there to keep the animals away from the gardens. <laughs> yes, yeah. and um, the favorite food is cracked corn. Your yeah. chicken's favorite food is cracked corn. Do, uh, do you have them all named? No. No. Okay. But we might soon have tags on them. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. To tell so them apart. To see what you're producing best. Yeah. be interesting to know. Oh, to mm-hmm. keep records. Because we do have the two mm-hmm. roosters, and mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I thought maybe we'd do some breeding, some selective breeding. Well, well that, oh, brings, nice that, that brings up a couple fun things I, I'd like to explore a little further. What about the organic component of chickens, mm-hmm. the manure? Tell me about that. What do we do? What, what can we do that? Can we put that right on the garden? Does that need to be composted? Or tell yeah. me about yeah. that. It, it, chicken manure is very high in nitrogen, so if you put it straight on your garden, it would kill a lot of plants mm-hmm. very quickly. So you really do need to compost it mm-hmm. or, or dig it into the soil mm-hmm. before you mm-hmm. try to plant in it. You wouldn't want to just spread it around. Yeah, don't top dress it around. Right. right. So, yeah. I mean, you, obviously you want to keep your chickens living in a, in a fairly clean and tidy environment how mm-hmm. often do you have to clean the pen I, I suppose it has to depend upon what size you are and that sort of thing but yeah, yeah. well it really depends a lot of people in only empty out the chicken house once a year or twice a year and what they do is just put fresh shavings in on top uh, every day or every few okay. days depending yep. upon the concentration of birds mm-hmm. so the thing to do is you want to get your nose down at the same level of the chickens and if you even smell the slightest hint of ammonia you know you need to do something then you've you got either your clean it out or you're going to add more shavings yeah so because they're very very sensitive to it by adding the shavings okay we're keeping the, the ammonia level so it doesn't right. escape okay so right. you can just keep adding shavings yep. and continually add shavings yep. yeah and then also make sure you've got good ventilation the chicken yep. coop i mean i have two big openings. I've got two doors in my coop because I thought I could use it from either side if I wanted to have two different Mm -hmm. types of birds or if I was going to breed a pair, I could separate them. Mm, So over the doors, I've got two panels that are probably three foot square. Mm -hmm. And then I have three sash windows on top hinges Mm -hmm. um, on one side. And when it started getting warmer, I just took one of them off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. The chickens really don't need that much protection from the cold. Again, it's the it's not having it be too windy. Mm-hmm. Right. No but, drafts. But the ammonia is a big issue. Okay. You have to keep Make that sure down. Make sure you stay on top of that. Yeah. So get down at the same level as the mm-hmm. bird. Smell yeah. with your nose. Yeah. Yeah. I think we actually have a caller on the line. Good morning. Can you uh, state your name and where you're calling from, please? Good morning. This is Yo in Tremont. Hey, good morning, Yo. What can we do for you this morning? Well, I've been a bird man for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I did have a couple of questions. First of all, it seems as if your focus is on chickens, and I know a lot of people don't really consider ducks to be poultry. Oh, but, yeah, they but are. I've, sure. I've always had both, mm-hmm. and they sort of complement each other. Uh, a couple of health issues I wanted to bring up. I noticed that every now and then a duck will get what I call spastic leg, mm-hmm. and they don't seem to be able to bring their legs up under their bodies. The legs sort of stick out behind under the tail. And mm-hmm. it's quite incapacitating for them. They have to shove themselves along with their wings. Sometimes it happens to little ducklings. Sometimes it happens to adult birds. Sometimes they die from it. Sometimes they get better after a week, and you can hardly tell which one it was. Mm-hmm. So that's something I was curious about. The other thing, which it relates more to chickens, is the incidence of blue comb. Now, I went down to the feed store and told Old Hoop, gosh, my rooster's lying on the floor in the chicken coop and his comb's all blue and he's breathing hard and he can't get up. And Hoop goes, 
sounds like blue comb. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, well, it, is, is there anything I can do? And he goes, yup, but it won't do no good. <laughs> oh, but she... more recently, I had somebody mention to me that a blue comb is more likely if chickens are in contact with ducks. And I, I wondered if our guests could respond to those two health questions, and I'll take the answer uh, offline. Thank you so much for putting on this wonderful show, and thanks to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Oh, thank you, Yo. Oh, that's a great, those are great questions. Great. Yeah. Okay, Diane. Boy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid you've got me. I, I, that's not, neither one of those things have I ever really heard of. And as far as, I, I mean, I know a lot of people that have chickens and ducks together and don't have an issue with it, so I'm not, I don't think that that's the problem. Um, can you but house blue them comb might no you you don't want to house them together I, I'll, okay, that's just because ducks are so good at playing in water oh and unless you want the floor all wet because mm-hmm. and they'll go in the chicken house if they can get in there and they even that little space around the waterer they can they can wing it all over the place <laughs> and you just have a, a mess okay. so yeah so ducks they need their own house mm-hmm. I think that's the ideal mm-hmm. situation mm-hmm. Um, but the, as far as those diseases go I'm not really sure it's, it's, it's interesting. I'll have to go look those up. Um, I'm guessing that the the ones with the legs sticking out the back are either some kind of a B vitamin deficiency because that would affect the neurological system, the system, um, uh, or else that they've gotten damaged on their back from either one hopping on another one or jumping mm-hmm. around too much, something like that. Um, but uh, I'll have to look those up. I'll uh, I'll try and see if I can find those answers. I'll I'll uh, let you know, yo. Um, but I, his mention of hoop, that, that's, uh, he's, I think he's talking about Forrest Hooper, who unfortunately passed, passed on, oh, I don't know, probably, it's probably quite a few years now, maybe five years ago. But he used to run the Blue Seal feed store in, in the feed store in Rockland, and he was, he was a great guy. He also um, was very active with the, um, the poultry barn at, the, at uh, Common Ground Fair every year. Right. So he was, he was a great source for chicken information. So, so, so we, we really weren't sort of, we were talking about chickens, but ducks are poultry, and oh, they yeah. are, they're very good eggs. I know. Oh, yeah, I get yeah very tasty eggs, mm-hmm. yes. Good yeah. for baking. Yes, yeah, right. and I, they have a different flavor, to me anyway. I, they taste milder to me. Mm. We eat them every day. Because, yeah. well, my friend Joseph, Captain Joseph Brewer, the lobster fisherman, mm-hmm. has kept nine of them. Mm-hmm. No, I'm at least nine over the winter, and he kept he, in a swimming pool. He mm-hmm. kept a little heater in it, yeah. and he's getting more <laughs> eggs. Ducks. I know they get more eggs than they can eat, so he passes them on to us. So uh, we're very fortunate. So yeah. we like we really all you folks that are doing the backyard poultry, you keep it up because we enjoy eating it very much. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> well, those are great questions, and I like to remind folks that. We're talking about backyard poultry, chickens, ducks, and if you would like to call in and, and, and join us in the conversation, uh, the telephone number here is 469-0500, and this is Common Ground. So um, tell me a little bit if um, Clifton and Samuel wanted to bump up their egg selling operation just a little bit. Is there anything maybe they might want to put generate from the computer and put on their egg crate 
for a label or something? Oh, they could do, yeah, a little fancy little label. What would be, what's, what's the? Th well, it would have to say that they're ungraded eggs mm -hmm. or nest run is the other term. Oh, I like a, that, nest run. Yeah, nest run. that's, a, that's okay. a nice way to put it, and that's allowed. Um, so what, if they, I, mean, I think I've seen them on those little, like, mailing labels. Yeah, so what's actually, the that's what I use. What's yeah. the necessary information to have on there? The name um, of the farm? Yep, name of the farm and contact information. So if you just said, do you have a farm, would you call yourself a farm name or just? No. You could put Samuel's Eggs on Samuel's there. Samuel's Eggs, <laughs> Nest <Yes>. Run. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yep, and, and put your phone number and on And what it. we found is people quite like getting a dozen eggs of different sizes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. Well, they're handy, because, handy yeah. to bake with or whatever yeah. you want to yeah, do. If you need a small egg, well, there it is. If you need an extra large egg, well, there's probably one of those in there, too. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah. I think we have uh, another caller on the line. Good morning. Could you state your name and where you're calling from, please? Um, good morning. This is Rhonda, and I'm from Guilford. Well, thank you, Rhonda, for calling. What can we do for you today? Well, I have, I have one question, and it's a nutritional question, so I'm not sure that she can help with that. But I have people that ask me if fertilized eggs, Mm -hmm. I have more nutrition than unfertilized eggs. Ah, good question. And we haven't even talked about the rooster yet. This right. brings us to a whole new point. Oh, yes. great. Thank yes. you. Yeah. And, and actually, I did, years back, I did read something somewhere that said that there was different nutritional quality in the fertilized eggs and that it was a little bit higher in some things, but I can't say as I remember what. So, and it is one of those things. I, every once in a while, I go back to try to find it, and I can't find I that know information again. So, from my rudimentary study of nutrition, that as far as the basic components of the protein and the fat are concerned, there mm -hmm. is no difference. Right. However, there could be some of the minerals and some of the other benefits right. could be yeah. more so in a fertilized. Yeah, because it's, it, it is a different product. I mm -hmm. mean, because the, the fertilization is going to change the. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Right. So that's a good question, and that's another okay. one we got to do some more research on. We love this. Okay. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for your call. We'll have to do okay, some. you're welcome. Yep. And that does, but that does bring up a good point, and you just had mentioned that a little bit ago about you were interested in maybe doing a little breeding. So talk to us a little bit about, okay, you take the eggs out every day. I mean, that's Samuel's job. He takes the eggs out of the nest box every day. What happens if you don't take them out? What do we get? Oh. Um, you get new chicks. Oh. <laughs> and how is this going to happen? I mean, do we have a certain number that oh, we need? Um, or Yes. The first things the rooster helps with mm -hmm. um, to breed is by jumping on the chicken <laughs> mm -hmm. and biting it. Ah, okay, okay. All right. All right. Sex education on the radio. <laughs> the first level, yes. That's the the chicken, level. yeah, that chicken right. does, the rooster does uh, do that. Oh, shoot. So, so, yes, so you do have to have a rooster. You do need a rooster. And, it, I mean, what's the terminology when they want to, is it broody when they want to? Yes, yeah. yeah. If you want the chicken to set on, the, the chicken has to get broody or, you know, want, want to set on eggs. So, uh, and then if, if you get a chicken that does that, and if you want to do that, that's a great situation. And then you kind of separate her out put her in a space where she's alone and so the other chickens can't get in there. And you want to put a certain number of eggs in there underneath of her and somewhere between nine, somewhere around nine is mm. what I've found to be most successful. If I try to stick more underneath there, it doesn't work very well because she doesn't keep them warm enough. But she'll keep taking more and more, right? Yeah, she will, yeah. Right. So that's why you want to keep her someplace separate. I have a little, uh, uh, an area that's kind of fenced in in my hen house so that she's still with the other chickens so that they don't 
because chickens are funny when one disappears for a while and, and it, that same chicken can come back again to the flock and they're like, who are you? You don't belong here with us, you know, mm -hmm. and then they, they have to establish their pecking order again. So is that, is that broody hen fenced off but they can see through the fencing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. so okay. that they're still in contact with each other enough so that they know who, who's who. We've got another caller, but I don't want to lose this train of thought on okay. the broody, yeah. broody hen. So, but good morning. Could you state your name and where you're calling from, please? Hello. Uh, uh, my name is Sonny. I'm from Penobscot. Good morning. What can we do for you today? Well, I, uh, I used to have chickens. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what to do with an evil rooster. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I had Rhode Island Reds. And... This boy was evil. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he would he, he distinctly disliked uh, my older daughter. Ooh. Oh, oh, he'd attack mm -hmm. her. Uh, yeah. Well, that, well, he eventually ended up the Sunday stew. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, is there any particular breed of chicken or rooster that is a little more docile than that? Hmm. He was tough over it, too. It, yeah. took, it took a while. <laughs> Cook him? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, thank you yeah. for your call. What do you, what's, tell us about that, Diane. Yeah. What about I don't know. Hey, Sam, how does your, do your roosters like you? What's that? Um, oh, I was they, asking Sam, the fellow that's like here. They like my dad, but they, they, they like, like, um, they attack me They do? Lot. They yeah. do? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you do? Well, my dad kicks them. <laughs> they kick them. We have one rooster that is quite aggressive yep. with Sam's mother and Sam. I've never had a problem with them. Mm -hmm. um, they keep away from me. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's because I kick them because I don't really manage to kick them. But they've also never come after me. But they do go after Sam when they have a chance, and they go after my wife. Um, I think it's because they're not being fed by anybody but me, and they aren't going to bite the bite hand the that hand feeds, feeds them. them. Yeah. Um, to a certain extent. Yeah. But, you know, we have the two roosters, and one is more aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I imagine he'll end up in the pot one of these days. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. What do you think, Diane? Uh, I've, I've had, I mean, I've had their varying experiences over the course of the years having chickens, and I've gone through a lot of roosters, and some of them, yeah, I've, I, they end up in the stew pot. There isn't, I've heard somebody once said that, um, they t they tethered it and and just let it run in a circle for a while and and somehow or another that slowed it down but I I I didn't I tried it once and it didn't work at all and I think it's really I mean whenever you're working with animals every one of them is an individual just the same way we are and some of them are not nice and some of them are nice and you just kind of have to work around it and unfortunately those not nice roosters they can leave I mean when they get spurs on them when they get older they it, it hurts you mm -hmm. know it can poke a hole right and bruise you right through a pair of pants so heavy jeans it's is there really and there's no is there any particular breed that's better there, than the other. A couple things I wanted to mention. There's a there's a website called My Pet Chicken, mm -hmm. and it's, it's really quite fun because you can go on that website, and it um, it has a um, whole listing of all different breeds, and it will tell you which ones have which kind of behavior patterns, mm -hmm. how what kind what color eggs they lay, whether they're winter resistant. Um, the American Livestock Breed Conservancy also has a lot of that information on their website mm -hmm, too. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a couple good places to look. 
And as far as diseases go, I want to make sure I remember to mention this before. Yes. Um, I, you know, I know a certain number of them, and I can go look things up for you, but you can also call um, the, um, the University of Maine in Orno has a diagnostic lab. So if you have an issue with a chicken, you can package it up. Um, you can go to your... Um, you need to get talk to them first. You go to your local cooperative extension office, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they have boxes that are available. And you can get one of the boxes from them and then send it to the university. Or you can go up to the university and deliver the chicken mm -hmm. yourself, but you need to call first and mm -hmm. let them know you're coming. But they'll do uh, an autopsy on the bird if you're really curious. Oh, so, so if something does happen, the bird dies, and you need to know, do I have right. a disease in the hen house, so to speak, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. And the other thing that I've been doing is working with... Um, Dick Brzezowski, who's the cooperative extension agent down in Cumberland County, mm -hmm. has um, what he as a as a poultry grant that he got from SARE, which is um, Sustainable Agricultural Research and Education. Um, it's a division of the USDA that gives out a lot of grants to farmers and people that are trying to educate farmers. And he's running a program, a three-year program that's educating a lot of the, um, like the cooperative extension agents in the state and um, Cindy Kilgore, who works at the university at, at um, the Department of Agriculture, and um, the woman that's the heads the diagnostic lab and Lichten Walner, she's a veterinarian there. Mm -hmm. um, we're all working together and learning more about diseases and stuff for. For, um, chickens and any all kinds of poultry so, so we're all going to be more smarter I like this and I'd like done. everybody to have some chickens in their backyard and then we can all be eating a lot more eggs right um, do we have to have when you have your flock whether mm -hmm. it's four or five because I want to be right in Bangor so say for example do you need to, you don't need to have a rooster then. They're going to lay no. without the rooster, yes. right? So yes. what the advantages of having the rooster primarily are if you want to wake up early in the morning <laughs> <laughs> or do they protect the flock? I mean, yeah. oh yeah. I mean, that's one of their yeah. they yeah. protect the flock. And yeah. also I've I've heard that if you have well, they'll also help keep the hens from pecking one another is what I've been told. Yeah, they probably do a certain amount to keep that that mm -hmm. because there's that that term pecking order did come from chickens and they do they establish actually most livestock do sort of set up a you know hierarchy, okay, you know, like who's yeah. boss and who isn't. Mm -hmm. And to have that rooster there, he kinda takes the top role and then the other ones kinda fall into place and are less likely to squabble among among each other. And the number that I've heard, Diane, is about thirteen hens per rooster maximum yeah that's probably the which is one of the reasons I got two. Yeah. so do your roosters fight with each other though my wife's seen them fight once mm -hmm. and she said it was really dramatic I have never seen them mm -hmm. fight mm -hmm. yeah. have you ever seen them fight Sam um no but my dad can tell you how my mom said to him how they fought mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah they, they puff up their neck feathers and <laughs> they go flying up into the air with their claws flailing around and apparently it was quite dramatic I'm and sorry they I missed bump it into each other like mad. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Uh, so you said you think you might be doing a little breeding and raising some more chicks? Well, that was my intent. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, I just thought it'd be interesting. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I'd, I'd like to sort of know which hen is producing and then the care. greatest number of eggs and so mm -hmm. breed that in. And mm -hmm. we have one rooster that's much more handsome than the other. Um, <laughs> Maybe so, his know, disposition is a little better. <laughs> I, a little bit of genetic engineering here. Um, <laughs> But I haven't gotten around to that. Now, when's a good time, if one was thinking of that, let's say they wanted, and the other question I have before I even forget it, is how old can a hen get and still be producing? 
Oh, pretty old. <laughs> uh, you said you've got some old birds I there. I do have some old birds, and I don't even know how old they are anymore. It's, they've got to be at least seven, eight. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. And they don't lay, you know, at 90% anymore. They're probably down at least 50%. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you, you know. So you can have hens oh, laying yeah. for quite some time. Yep. Yeah. yeah, the standard that most people do if they're trying to maximize or, you know, do a good job with their production is to keep a bird for two years. Oh, that's all. And let it go through one molt, and then by the second mm-hmm. molt, and mm-hmm. then when they turn it into And then they make stew. really good soup. They oh, make yeah. really good chicken mm-hmm. soup. Really good chicken soup, and old hen is the best for soup. Yeah, to stew yeah. it for, that's the, yeah, to stew the old hen for a yeah. long time. Yeah. So when's a good time if you are interested? Is there a better time throughout the year that you want to maybe raise mm-hmm. a hatch? Yeah. Is, is it called a hatch or a clutch? Or? It, it, actually, either of those words, Okay, yeah. so when's a good time? Um, do it in the springtime. Mm-hmm. Because the, what happens is is that chickens respond to daylight, very, oh, and that's what keeps them going. And so when they um, are born in that early part of the spring, the daylight is increasing the whole time. And then um, that will, actually I'm saying this wrong. Um, uh, I have to think about this one for a minute. All right. It's like one of those circle things that I get confused with. Um, when the when the daylight's increasing, that's going to increase their egg production. Right. So, but if you have them in the springtime and then in the fall, they'll they'll not really lay very much, and then in that next spring, the next year, they start to lay really heavily. Okay. So, so some people so like to get their chicks earlier in the season. Yes. Yeah. Or or late. Right. And then keep them through but the winter. But then you've got winter. the, the issue that, of trying to keep the chicks warm. Yes. Right. And so when that daylight is decreasing, that's when they um, are growing better. And that's when they're getting their nutrients required, maturing, and getting ready for the right. next season. Yes. So and when keep, then the daylight starts increasing again, they so start it's a real, more. I mean, this is a, we're following a very natural progression, mm-hmm. seasonal progression, right. as, far as, our, as far as our birds are concerned. Right. You so, could, but I have heard people prefer to get their chicks in November, December, mm-hmm. so that when maximum egg production is picking up in springtime, That's they're, when they're actually coming up. into yeah, the, yeah. the egg-laying stage. Right. So yes. their birds are right there, yeah. Yeah. rather yeah. than wait and get actually, them now. Actually, that's the best way as far as following that cycle, because that when the daylight's going down, that's when they're growing, yep. and, and then when the, when the light starts increasing again, they start laying more eggs. We have just, I, I can't believe that we're, get, we're almost getting to the point now where we're, we're coming to the, wrapping up the end of our show here. Um, and I, I just want to thank uh, Sam, the chicken man. Can I call you that? <laughs> Sam's egg production and his dad, Clifton Page, from East Blue Hill to be with us here in the studio this morning. And Diane has been going over all of the ins and outs of, of chicken production and um, it's been a very exciting program. Uh, you've, you're listening to your community radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 in Blue Hill and 99.9 in Bangor, and streaming worldwide at WERU.org. Our next show, Common Ground, hosted by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners, will be on May 4th. And Dave Colson and Andrew Marshall will be speaking with you about seedling production and getting those gardens ready. So, again, very special thanks to our guests and and to all you folks that have called in. Thanks so much for joining us here on Common Ground. Mm